Forgive us, Lord, for looking to other places and other things and other people to rescue us or offer us the things that we seek when all that we have is found in you and in you alone. So God, we pray with that posture of humility this morning that we would bow before you as we receive your word as it, as it is preached over us. Lord, may it find fertile ground in our hearts, Lord, to bear fruit in our lives, Lord, and transform us like only you can. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it certainly is good to be back among all of you after I was out last week on uh, on vacation and had a good time, uh, just my wife and I, and I appreciate very much uh, Pastor Lee Bailey for filling in for me. I'm so thankful uh, just for so many men of God that can stand in the gap and can preach and to teach in my absence, and uh, uh, I, I appreciate, Lee, uh, appreciate Lee very much. The Bailey pew looks a little more full uh, than, it, uh, than it typically is. Uh, typically is, so I know that uh, you're happy about that as well this morning. Uh, so thank you very much, Lee, for filling in. I heard it was amazing, and that he did a wonderful job uh, as usual. And, uh, you know, since we've, since we've been doing, uh, since we're doing a sermon text-based uh, series to where the text that's used in church is the same text that you use in your life groups, um, now when I ask someone to fill in, they kind of have an assigned text. And for some people, that makes it easier. For some people, that makes it harder. Uh, so I appreciate Lee uh, uh, filling in, uh, preaching that text last week. I did not want to give up that text. Um, I thought about giving him the sermon on demon possession um, that I had to do two weeks ago. Uh, but he refused me. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but I, I thought, no, that would be pretty cruel. Uh, to make to make him do that sermon, so I gave him uh, I gave him the other sermon. That, isn't that a great passage last week? I mean that that uh, that story is just so good. And we're going to look at another one this week also, as we will for the next several weeks. Uh, these stories of healings, these stories where Jesus just does some amazing things in the lives of people, uh, and and he heals them. Now I want to show you this slide. I don't want you to get I don't want you to get too too sick of seeing this slide, but I want to remind you just why Jesus did miracles. And um, so uh, first off, we believe that Jesus did miracles because he loved people. I think we see that in every passage. But these, the, these, uh, these second, uh, the, the second one and the third one, I'm going to draw attention to this later in the sermon, uh, but in this particular passage we're going to read today, uh, we're going to see how this miracle that Jesus does is kind of a sign and it really validates who Jesus was but really to the point of the series is that, that all, all of these passages that we're looking at are vehicles of teaching that just tell us so much about God, so much about who He is, and so much about what He expects of us. And today we're going to see this correlation between faith and forgiveness and how healing and faith and forgiveness and trust, they really, they really all work together no, no matter what kind of miracle that we're asking Jesus for. And I do hope that you have been praying and asking Jesus for some type of miracle in your life. Uh, when we started this series, I asked you 
to think about something. It may be one thing, it may be several things. Something that you want to ask God for. Uh, something that would take an extraordinary amount of His power in order to accomplish in your life. Maybe something that no doctor is, is going to be able to do, no psychiatrist, no therapist, uh, no counselor, uh, no financial advisor. May, maybe something extraordinary, something supernatural that you want to ask God for. Now listen, I'm not making any promises. I'm not saying he, he is going to do whatever it is that you ask him to do. But I can promise you this, that if you seek the Lord in your life, that he, he's going to answer you. Uh, that if, if you ask God, if you seek God, if you talk to God about any type of situational problem that you have, I do believe that the Lord will show up in your life. He'll speak to you. He may not do what you ask him to do, but he could. It could be something amazing that you could ask God for and, and that he could do it. But we all have needs. We all have hurts. We all have habits. We all have hang-ups. And in that sense, we all need healing. And so I want to ask you to continue to pray, continue to ask the Lord to do something mighty and amazing and extraordinary in your life as we go through this sermon series together and as we look at miracle after miracle after miracle, testimony after testimony of God doing great things. So today we're going to look at this, uh, this healing of a paralytic. It's in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Open your copy of God's Word, and when you find it, stand along with me as we see this extraordinary thing that God does in the life of this paralytic man in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. The Bible says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. And they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They kind of answered their own question, didn't they? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray. God, that's our prayer. 
Lord, we want to see extraordinary things. We want to see extraordinary things happen in our life. God, we're praying for it. We're asking you for it, Lord. Would you do that, Lord, in the life of our church? Would you do that, Lord, in, the, in, in our lives as individuals? God, would you show up and do something that is unmistakably an act of God? Lord, it could be a physical healing. Lord, it could be a spiritual healing. God, it could be any number of situational things. God, will you insert yourself into our lives and bring transformation? God, we want it. We ask you for it. And Lord, maybe even today, maybe even today, during this worship gathering, Lord, you might show up and do extraordinary things. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So this is a great story, isn't it? A couple of people, several people who were desperate for Jesus. And they wanted to get into this room to see Jesus. They knew he had the power to heal. And the Bible doesn't really explicitly state what exactly it was that they were looking for. If they were seeking for him to be healed, or if they just wanted to be close to Jesus, or if they wanted to be next to Jesus, but they were, they, they were, they were pretty desperate. This guy was a paralytic. We, we don't really know what kind of paralysis he had, and whether it was from the neck down or whether it was from the waist down. At the very least, we knew that we know that he was he was not as mobile as everyone else. He he couldn't walk, but they couldn't get to they could not get this person to Jesus. Uh, obviously, a uh, a few people carrying what, in my imagination, I see a, a gurney, st gurney style, stretcher style bed that he's on. They could not get into the house because there was such a crowd. Well, they were not to be deterred. They, they were going to get to Jesus. So they decided to climb up on the roof and tear a hole in the roof. Now, a hole for someone that needed to be let down on a stretcher wouldn't be just a hole that they could kind of see through. It had to have been a pretty big hole. That they, and I, I, don't know how, I don't know how the homeowner felt about them tearing holes in his roof, uh, but they were desperate. They tore this big hole in his roof. And again, in my imagination, I see more of a, a gurney, stretcher style of a bed and a ropes uh, attached around it and him just being lowered and uh, lowered uh, from uh, from that from that ceiling and, uh, and and from that roof and can you imagine this crowd? Imagine being one of the people that's in the room and you're listening to Jesus teach and all of a sudden you know you you get you get distracted. You hear this you hear this tearing noise on top of the roof and then you see these guys letting him down and I can imagine that the whole, we'll just call them a congregation, the whole congregation probably got annoyed, like, what are these people doing? And I can just see Jesus looking up at them with a smile because they were not to be deterred. They were going to seek him, and nothing was going to stop them. We see other times in Scripture when people were this desperate, that they were seeking him so desperately, uh, like Zacchaeus. Remember the blind people, the, uh, the blind men along the road? They were, they were desperately seeking him, the woman with the issue of blood. God responds to people who seek him. God responds to people who diligently and desperately seek him. If you want to see God do something extraordinary in your life, 
It is only going to happen as you reach out and stretch out and cry out and long for God to do something. If you don't seek Him, don't expect to find Him. Don't expect to just stumble over a miracle as you're just going your own merry way without even thinking about God. If you want to see God do something amazing, if you want to see, to see Him do something extraordinary in your life, we have to seek Him. And now I'm not promising, like I said before, that God is going to do exactly what you ask of Him. But I can promise you, according to the Word of God, that the Bible says that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you seek God in that way, you will find Him. You may not get everything that you look for. You may not get exactly what you ask for. But God has promised that when you seek Him, that you will find Him. All, all of us are stubbornly seeking something. There's something in your life that you're reaching for, that you're longing for. The, everybody, everybody seeks something. And sometimes we just have small things that we seek. And sometimes little, even little small goals that we say, I'm going to accomplish this no matter what. I'm going to stubbornly do this no matter what the cost. So as uh, my wife and I were on vacation, we decided to do this hike. Uh, it was, pro I, I think it was the hardest hike that I have ever done. The hardest, like one mile, about one mile hike that I've ever done. It was stair steps straight up a mountain. You know, most, most of the time they'll give you these little switchbacks where you can kind of go side to side and gradually make your way up. No, this was cross railroad cross ties, stair step fashion going straight up. And as it got up to the top, it got so steep, you basically had to lean into it to keep from falling. Well, most of you know that my wife, she had, she had some surgery about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. And I mean, we're making our way up this mountain, and y'all, I am huffing. I mean, I am huffing and puffing. And I start to get a little worried about Kelly. And so I sit down, and I wait, and she comes up, and I'm like, you know what, honey, we just need, we, we ought to just turn back. Let's just turn back. Let's just go back down. I mean, after all, we have a great view from, there's nothing that we can see up there that we can't see right here. This is great. She looked at me and she said, I'm getting to the top of this mountain. <laughs> and she said, we're, we're climbing this mountain. I mean, she, if y'all know Kelly, she is not one to be deterred. So guess what? Uh, we ended up climbing all the way to the top. And after we got there, I thought both of us were going to be, need to be let down by ropes on a gurney uh, to, get, to get off of that mountain because it was tough. Uh, but you know, if you've ever done anything athletic like that, it kind of it takes that type of, of diligence to say, I don't care how much it hurts my body, I'm going to accomplish this goal. Uh, some of you are like that in your profession, uh, in your work. You say, you know what? I'm going to work and work and work. I'm going to work 80 hours a week. I'm going to I'm going to go up this corporate ladder. I'm going to get to where I need to be. Now, some of you are that way about your hobbies. <sighs> oh, you March Madness people, man! I mean, you can't pull you away from that TV, right? You got to watch those basketball games. I mean, is it amazing about the things that we get stubborn about? 
The things that we say, I'm going to seek these things. It can be something in our career. It can be something as simple as a hike or a sport. And we say, I'm going to seek these things. I'm going to do it no matter what. I'm going to, or I'm going to die trying. Doesn't the Jesus that died for us deserve that type of seeking? Doesn't, doesn't the God that created us and loved us and has promised to bless us, doesn't he deserve that we seek him with that same type of diligence? And when we do, I promise you, according to God's word, I promise you, if you will seek God in that way, he will respond to you. You will find him. When you seek him in that way. And that's how, that's how these people were seeking him. Man, they tore some guy's roof off. I believe they would have burned the house down if they, would, if, if they would have had to in order to get to Jesus. They were seeking him. And Jesus did a double miracle in the heart of this paralytic man. He gave him forgiveness of his sin, which is a miracle in itself. He spiritually healed him. And he also physically healed him of the paralysis that had him bound. And all of this, this seeking him, it demonstrated that they trusted him. They trusted him. We've got to seek him, but we also have to trust him. Um, seeking him and trusting him just go hand in hand. Uh, I, I love what it says right here. Jesus saw something in them. He saw something in them. He saw the trust and the faith that they had that was demonstrated as a result of them seeking him so desperately. It doesn't say that, I mean, I guess there's a lot of things that, that Jesus could have seen. Jesus could have seen a group of people that were being unruly. Jesus could have seen a paralytic man. But that's not what the Bible says Jesus saw. The Bible says that he saw their faith. This action of seeking, Jesus said, that's faith. That's the type of faith that we're looking for. The Bible tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. Do you want something extraordinary to happen in your life? Do you want to see a miracle? Do you want God to show up and do something amazing? Then seek Him in a way that goes deep down into the posture of your heart to where it is, it is then a faith seeking. You are seeking him because you trust him. You're seeking him because you have faith in him. You see, faith is something that's going to be seen. Faith isn't something that you can, you can keep hidden. When you have true faith, when you're seeking God that desperately and you trust him that much, it's going to be something that's going to be visible. It will pour out of you in some type of action. And in a lot of times what we see in scripture, we see just brazen, bold, just outrageous actions being taken by people as a result of their faith. I mean, we see people going places and doing things that other people just tell them that they're crazy. We see the Apostle Paul saying, I'm going to Jerusalem to preach the gospel. I don't care if it's prophesied that I'm going to be arrested and that I'm going to be imprisoned. It doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyway. 
Um, if you look in the uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith, of all the things that people did as a result of their faith, it poured out of them. They were not going to be deterred. They were going to seek to follow. They trusted God, and it spilled over into their actions, and it was visible to everyone around them. And the Bible doesn't say that, he just, that Jesus just saw the faith of the paralytic, he saw the faith of the, of the whole group of them that were helping this paralytic. And Jesus' response, I remember I said a minute ago it was a double miracle. Jesus' first response was to forgive him. Was to forgive him. In verse 20, it says, And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. This man had yet to ask for anything. He didn't ask for healing. We don't see that yet. Of course, it's implied in their action. They were, see, it's apparent to me that they were seeking Jesus both for spiritual and situational reasons. They had a need, a physical need, and sure, they were seeking Jesus because of that, but they were also seeking Jesus for something deeper. And Jesus could perceive a spiritual paralysis that existed in this particular man. And he removed this guilt, whatever unpardoned sin, whatever sins this man had, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible says that he was a paralytic and this would have been obvious to everyone around him. But whatever sins it was that Jesus perceived that existed in the heart of this man, those those weren't things that could be as easily seen. But Jesus could see them. But I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, I see your sin. I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, hey, I I see all that dishonesty. I I see all that anger. I see all that that junk inside of you. I see that thievery. Uh, I, 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 see all, I see all of that sin inside of you. No, the Bible says that he saw their faith. And when he saw the faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. You see, we, we think the opposite. We think that whenever Jesus looks at us, that he sees all the, and of course he does. And we know that he sees those things, but we think that we think that he's honing in on those, all those bad things that he sees inside of us. That's not what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for faith. And when he sees that inside of us, something spiritual happens. This is Jesus' primary interest in your life. I know that for those of us who live in this life and struggle with, with, uh, uh, with all the different sicknesses and maladies that exist, you know, and all the situational problems and financial problems, relational problems, emotional problems. I mean, you name it. We got, listen, we got problems. I mean, anybody here today not have a problem of any kind? Don't raise your hand because one will come at you. It'll come at you quick. You either, either, either have a problem or have recently had one or are going to have one soon. We are just people of problems. And we tend to get so caught up in our problems. And so what do we do? We come to God and say, hey, Lord, fix all my problems. Listen, that is not God's primary concern. His primary concern is not fixing all your external situational problems. His primary concern is you finding a right relationship with Jesus. 
That's God's primary concern. He wants you to find forgiveness. He wants you to find reconciliation. He wants to fix any type of spiritual paralysis that might exist inside of you. And listen, I've said this before, but I want you to imagine with me that if, if Jesus would have healed the paralysis in this man, but if he wouldn't have forgiven his sin, I mean, would that really be a miracle? I mean, think about that in your life. If Jesus fixed all of your external problems, but nothing spiritual ever happened inside of you, would that really be a miracle much worth of celebrating? If something truly spiritually transformative doesn't happen, now that's what, that, that's what we're looking for. And when we see God show up and do something extraordinary in our life, there's almost always some type of spiritual transformation or some type of spiritual experience that accompanies it. It's not just God just heals us and we just say thank you and we just go on our merry way. When God does something amazing, there's always something spiritual that happens deep down inside of us. And so if, if, if you want God to do a work in your life, if you're praying for that, We've, 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 we've got to seek Him. We've got to trust Him. We've got to ask Him to do something spiritual inside of us, but there's also something that we need to not do. The Bible says, don't doubt. In so many different passages of Scripture, the Bible says that doubt, or doubt is those things that, that creates a barrier between us and God. And here's something that I find completely amazing about what Scripture shows to us. Who are the poster child doubters in Scripture? Who, who are the people that are set forth in the ministry of Jesus as the biggest doubters of all? And not the unlearned. Not the lepers, not the unclean people, uh, not the short man Zacchaeus, not the woman with the issue of blood, not the beggars alongside of the road, uh, not, the, not, the, not the Gentiles, not, not all those people. The people that are presented as the, the, the poster child doubters are the religious guys. Uppity religious men. Those people that were the most studied those people that were more religious, I'm going to put religious in quotes, more religious than anybody else, those are the people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. Listen, the people that taught the people are pictured as the biggest doubters of all. Is that not amazing? You see, we, you see, we think, we, think we, need, we need to be some, some kind of well-studied, uppity, religious people that hold high position. But that's, that's not what Scripture shows to us. This paralytic to whom people would just walk by in the street and ignore is exalted by Jesus as the person with faith while the people that were most respected and most studied people, the most religious people, those, those are the people who are pictured as the biggest doubters. And look what the scripture says. I, th th this, this, this to me kind of pictures their 
their spiritual passivity. They were just sitting there. Can you imagine? As the Son of God is teaching and is delivering parables and teaching and beatitudes and all of these sayings that are going to impact hearts for eternity, those guys, they're sitting there yawning. They're grumbling. Oh, not just that, not just that, they're, 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 they're questioning. You know, and I've said this before, uh, there's questions like children ask that want to learn. And there are questions that are meant to cast doubt. Those are the questions that these guys are asking. They're questioning uh, to, to, to cast doubt. They just grumble. They have no sense of personal need. They have no sense of, I have spiritual needs inside. They're not really seeking God. They're certainly not trusting Him. And here's, here, here's, here's an interesting thing to me. He, he heals this guy in front of all of these Pharisees and all of these doubters. And he basically tells us why he does it in front of them. He says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, that slide that I showed you at the beginning of the message that I don't want to wear you out with, but I told you is one of the purposes for why Jesus does or lists four purposes. And I said the vehicle of teaching is the primary, but also it, uh, it, uh, uh, the miracles validate his ministry, validate his identity. There's signs that point to the kingdom. That's one of the purposes of why Jesus did this particular miracle is because it was a sign. It validated who he was. It was a testimony to everyone around that he was the Messiah and that the kingdom of God had come in their midst. And you're going to see this recur more and more as we move through these miracles. You're going to see that, that this purpose, it doesn't mean that he didn't love the guy. Of course he loved him. It doesn't mean that the man's faith wasn't a big indicator of, of, of why he healed him. And by the way, I don't know that I can really fully unravel that mystery, by the way. This whole idea, because what I don't want to do, and what I mean by that is, is this mystery of faith and healing. We, we see them parallel in the Gospels. We see Jesus affirm someone's faith, and he'll even say things, your faith has made, has made you well. There's a little bit of a mystery in this. Because what I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to tell you if you have enough faith, then God's going to do whatever you ask of Him. I don't want to do that. Because what will happen is, is you'll go back and you'll try as hard as you can to have as much faith as you can, and you'll ask God for something, and then if it doesn't happen, and then you feel like, oh, well, my faith is not big enough. Oh, I'm such a horrible, terrible person. If I had a better faith, if I had a bigger faith, then God would have healed me. And I don't want to put you in that position because here's what normally happens, all right? The health and wealth pastors will tell you that, and then if your faith is not strong enough, let's say, well, you just need to give more money. That's what the health and wealth pastors do. And I, I believe it is, it is spiritual malpractice to say, oh, there's something wrong with you, something spiritually wrong with you and your faith, and that's why you're not being healed. But I have to, there's, there's a mystery in this. There's something, there's something providential about how God heals and why God heals and when God heals. 
But at the same time, we cannot deny in Scripture that there is a link between God doing amazing things in our life and the faith that we exhibit in Him. I can't think of many instances where you just had some of somebody who was a, a lame or, or somebody that was crippled or somebody that was blind and they just you know, had no faith in Jesus and Jesus said, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to heal you anyway. There might be a few, but not, not many. In almost every instance, we see this idea of faith and seeking on the part of the person that receives the miracle. And there's a mystery to this, one that I can't fully explain. <laughs> there's a lot that I can't fully explain about our faith. There's a lot of things that, that we don't fully understand. One day, one day we will. But the purpose of this is Jesus basically is, is, is telling us, don't doubt. And quite possibly one of the best verses in this whole passage is found in verse 26. This always happens whenever, whenever God does something amazing in your life. It almost always leads to worship. In verse 26, it says, And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. When God shows up, you have sought Him, and you have trusted Him, and He has spiritually done something in your life. You have pushed through all of the doubt, and God has done something amazing always leads to worship. It always leads to us acknowledging that God is great. Let me give you just a little bit of application, a few, a few questions that I want to ask you. And, and as I ask these questions, I want you to think about what, maybe some ways that you can formulate, formulate this into some prayers. And we're going to have prayer in a moment. But I, I want to ask you this. Is is there a lack of seeking God in your life? Do you approach your Bible reading with a yawn? Are you, are you passionately praying, reading the Bible, sharing your faith, seeking the Lord? Are, are, are you really seeking Him at the same level that maybe you're seeking other things in your life? Are, 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 you, are you seeking God like you need to? just a diagnostic question for you to think about. Is there the presence of some unconfessed sin in your life? Is, is, is there a sin in your life that you would say, I haven't confessed this before the Lord. I, I, need, I need pardon, just like, this, just like this man did. I need Jesus to do something spiritually inside of me. And how's your faith? Are you, are you living a life of trust? Would you tear up a roof to get to Jesus? I mean, how, how desperately are you seeking Him? Do you really have a posture of trust and a posture of faith? Do you, do you really trust Him with all of those things? And what kind of doubts are you struggling with? You, you may say, I, don't, I have some intellectual doubts. There's some things that don't make logical sense. Or maybe you have some doubts about God's Word. Maybe you even doubt the existence of God altogether and the validity of the gospel. If that's where you are today, I, I would ask you to seek the Lord and, 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 and pray 
that he would help you to trust him today. But I wonder if, I wonder if any of those questions maybe jog something inside of you that maybe you need to pray about, maybe you need to think about. And so I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray about these things. I want you to evaluate right now before the Lord how desperately you're seeking Him. Ask Him. Just ask Him. Say, God, am I seeking you like I need to? Is there anything in my life that's holding me back from seeking you like I should? Am I seeking something else harder than you? Ask Him. Ask Him those questions. Pray about that. Ask Him to help you to seek Him.